Hello and welcome to the Bristol to Beijing podcast. I'm Luke Grenfell-Shaw and I'm cycling from Bristol to Beijing on my tandem Chris. I left Bristol in January 2020 and it's fair to say it hasn't been straightforward so far. As I continue my expedition, I want to share the journey with you. And each episode, I'll be sharing my thoughts and experiences from the past week on the road. And occasionally, I'll also be chatting with someone who can shed some light on the countryman in as I try and understand the world a little better. So, without further ado, what's happened this past week? Last time we spoke, you and I both were in Shenzhen. Do you want to fill us in with what's happened over the last week, 10 days or so? Yeah, so the sharp listeners will have noticed that we haven't managed to release the podcast at our usual weekly point, and this is a few days delayed. Well, that's because we've been cycling all the way across southern Kazakhstan from Shimkent to Almaty, and that is where we arrived uh, yesterday afternoon. And one of the slightly random things that has sort of struck me going across Kazakhstan is there's actually very little fast internet beyond Shimkent Taraz now here in Almaty, mm-hmm. which Surprisingly, in Uzbekistan, there are plenty of places where you could have 4G, but actually here, there really were not, uh, which is the main communications, a bit more difficult, and also uploading a podcast episode. So uh, that is one of the reasons why this comes a bit late, but we've also been doing a lot of cycling. Yes, more cycling than I think I've probably done, well, for a very long time. Just how much have we done, Kate? You and I, since I arrived... Two weeks ago, we've done 856 kilometres on the bike together. Right, that's Tashkent to Almaty. Mm-hmm, yeah, we've cycled the whole way from Tashkent to Almaty, and we're still talking to each other. Which is which is impressive, and we're not doing it just for this podcast. Uh, we actually talk to each other, not with the microphone in front of us as well. But I really clearly remember, Kate, and we talked about this in the last episode, the first couple of days that you joined on the bike from Tashkent, it was pretty hot, 45. 45 degrees can you just first of all just take us back to how that felt so it was the sort of feeling when you go on holiday and you get off an airplane and you step into a wall of heat it's like that sort of leaving an air-conditioned apartment but instead of you know a brief stroll through a wall of heat this was then getting on a bike and cycling for several hours in it and obviously on the bike, you've got a breeze, but it's not a cooling breeze. It's like cycling into a very warm hairdryer. Sweat drips from everywhere, places you didn't realise could sweat before. And it felt very unpleasant and difficult and just hard to keep going. I found the heat was draining, immensely draining to start with. And I think that's a great analogy of like when you go into a hot country and suddenly you're just hit by this heat that is completely unaccustomed Mm. and you're not just walking to the airport terminal you're suddenly cycling in this heat and it's something I had got used to but you know I didn't want to say it at the time but you know it was clear that you were struggling you know we were stopping a lot and you just looked wiped I felt very much wiped I don't think I was drinking enough to start off with it's hard to kind of get across how much you need to drink I mean we were draining sort of three liters of water pretty much every hour or so between us and it just all <laughs> comes out of your pores but remarkably after maybe three four days or so I think I actually started to get used to it and the final stretch and we did five days cycling back to back heat didn't feel so bad 
Yeah, and that's really what I wanted to sort of come round to is the huge contrast between the first couple of days.、Mm. And I was thinking at that point, like, oh my goodness, we've got, you know, after we get to Shimkent, we've got another six hundred, six hundred fifty k's. That could take us two weeks、mm. at the current rate of progress, which is much more time than I had anticipated. And I was just like holding my, keeping my fingers crossed that you know, somehow we'd pick up and be able to do some more miles. But over the last five days, we've done about five, well, about five hundred kilometers, about a hundred kilometers a day, which、yeah. actually for me, for much of this ride, would be more than I would usually do, like eighty kilometers. Was my previous average as I was going through Eastern Europe. So、mm. we've done a lot. You've done a lot. But how has it been on the bike going through Kazakhstan in this heat? You know, it feels like it's quite different in in many ways、mm. compared to the first couple of days. Yeah, it became not only easier in terms of heat, but it actually started to become quite enjoyable. That probably isn't going to make much sense to anyone listening to this. That's true. So. The heat started to become less of a problem for me. I became more used to it. It meant I was able to focus on the things, the parts of the ride that were more interesting. What looking around, observing what was around me. The joy of being on the back of the bike is you have no responsibility for steering, no responsibility for braking. Don't even have to look at the road. You can just gaze around and observe what you're passing. And I mean, I noticed butterflies flittering past us. The changing hills from like flat. Plains that went on for miles and miles and miles into the distance, with sort of no discernible horizon, to rolling hills, mountains along the side, snow-topped peaks, some quite beautiful scenery. It all felt just hugely expansive, I guess. You're painting a very vivid picture there, and I think what's kind of quite nice is that you're capturing the way that the landscape changes, but it does take tens, if not scores, of kilometers. So you see this gradual unfurling.、Mm. Of the landscape, and I think that's one thing that is quite important to pick up on. In some ways, is that you have to be quite patient when cycling.、Mm-hmm. Like if you're just trying to rush to Almaty, then at least in my experience, then the, each day is just a frustration because you're never making enough mileage and you're never doing it quickly enough.、Mm. But I don't know if that's something that you found of just sort of you know, settling into the fact that you know, we're going to be on the bike for five or six hours on a given day and. Sort of nothing that you could do about it, and you might as well just sort of try and appreciate what was around rather than trying to rush to get to to rest at the end of the day. Yeah, and I think that was the other thing that was quite different experience for me is mentally just sitting on a bike, moving my legs, my head having time and space to kind of wander. I mean, we didn't chat the whole way. We it's quite tricky to actually chat when you're、mm. on the bike, so it's a case of thinking, observing, you know, putting a podcast in every so often. Listening,、um, and kind of taking it all in, but then also something that you had to weigh up is when you choose to stop cycling for a day and when、mm. you carry on. Because when you've got a long journey, you're not finishing in one day. It was up to us to make our、yeah. to choose where we broke how we broke it up. That is really interesting that you bring that up because that really makes me think back to I think three days ago when we still got three days of cycling to go to Almaty. And we had cycled about eighty kilometers up until about four o'clock in the afternoon, and we were pretty, 
But it was pretty hot. Mm. I think we were both a bit tired. Um, and we decided we'd sort of break for coffee. And we also needed more water. Yeah. And the coming stretch, there wasn't going to be any villages for another 60 or 70 k's. So this was our chance to get water. Not at the bus stop where we stopped, but there was a village right next to it. Mm. And I just should say that we did also stop at one point at a toilet. Yes. Like, there are these sort of toilets by the side of the road, and it literally just holes in the ground with, like, a couple of walls around it, mm. whitewashed walls. Only um, patch of shade that we had was to sit up against the wall um, and boil up some water for, to make coffee in the shade of a toilet. Exactly. And there was the smell of a toilet accompanying yeah. all of this. <laughs> anyway, that was a future day, but it was just, there was sometimes there were so few places to stop, that is where you end up stopping with shade. But on this particular day, four o'clock in the afternoon, we stop uh, for coffee and I decide that we needed some more water. So I'll go and just take the tandem off, leave cake to start boiling and preparing the coffee and go into the village, which is called uh, Aspera. And at that point, we were really sort of aiming to keep on cycling. Mm. That was in our minds that we'd done 80Ks. I think we're aiming to do like 100, 110, make some really good miles and... I think it's very easy to get get focused on that, right? Yes. To be like, okay, well, you know, it's four o'clock. I've still got energy in my legs. We can keep going for a bit longer. Exactly. And I got into this village and I asked where I could fill up some water. And this guy took me round to this pump in the middle of a field, basically, and it was coming up from a, a well. And this guy was called Nurjal. And he said, if you want, um, you could come and stay with us. And my instinctive reaction as it often is, and this might be surprising to some people, was, no, we've got to keep on going. Like, this isn't part of the plan. We're going to carry on doing more miles. And I was like, you know, you can rest here. And this was like an idyllic place. There was like a, a small coppice of trees. There was a field with horses running around in it. There was this big pump that was gushing out uh, Is very cool water which I dunked my head under which was just the most glorious thing and I was like well I'll, I'll prevaricate and I'll ask Kate so I said mm. well I'll, we'll make mind up uh when I when I go back to Kate and as I was cycling back I was like you know I'd really thought we'd spend the next two hours cycling on the yeah. bike and that seemed really important mm. but the closer I got to the bus stop I was like actually it's not every day you get an offer to stay with someone in their, their house and in such a beautiful location. And then I was kind of quite interested in your reaction when I sort of said, well, we do have this offer. And my reaction was, remarkably, um, I, like, I like to stop, I like to rest, but my reaction was, no, we should keep on going because mm. we've got a long stretch ahead with nothing in it. We need to start to like chip away at that. And it took a bit of persuading from you to get me to yeah. change my mind. It's something I find actually quite difficult when it comes to this ride and sharing it is to what extent to sort of play the the role of I've done this a lot, I know best, as a you know, shorthand heuristic, versus being really receptive to what other people want and how they want, you know, if they're tired or if they want to do more. Mm. Uh, but in this case, it's like, actually, I think this will be like a really special evening. So we did decide yeah. to go back to, to Aspera. And what was that like, Kate? I mean, you tried to explain it to me at the bus stop and I don't think it was quite possible to get across how pretty this little village was, just tucked away off a road, miles, miles from anywhere else. And quite a barren landscape as well. I mean, there were wheat fields, it wasn't totally barren, but it was like there was nothing there and then suddenly there was this green Green. oasis. Absolutely, it was a little oasis. 
and you know, he cycled around and went up through their gate and were just welcomed with open arms. I mean, a table laden with food and cups of tea. Yeah, uh, there's some vines just sort of covering this outdoor seating area. And pretty much the whole family felt like they kind of got around the table when they were asking us a lot of questions. Mm. They're the classic questions of where are we from? What are we doing? And then actually they also asked, why are we doing this? And actually Kate, a few days before, challenged me asking me, why don't I talk more about some of the reasons behind the ride? Mm -hmm. Because actually my default is to just say, oh, I just want to have a rich and interesting experience. I don't want to go into any more details. I don't particularly like bringing up the kind of topic of cancer. Mm. To me, it's something I prefer not to sort of choose to define myself by, even though it is kind of necessary context to the ride. Yeah. But we, we did tell them. Yeah. I don't really know, though, like what the impact was. I don't think you ever find out in those situations. I think they were surprised, but mm. I don't know if it would, would well, have changed it, much. Who knows? It wasn't a conversation that was then brought up repeatedly. It was sort of mm. something we talked about and then moved on and talked about other things. Which was wonderful, actually, and is a very nice way of doing it. Yeah. And then being a woman in Kazakhstan, they clearly thought that there was one particular thing you should learn how to do. Yes, I had a little cooking lesson. <laughs> was shown how to fold up the little pastry parcels to make small sort of dumplings that are steamed. Um, I think they're probably boiled, but boiled, they, they're called okay. manti. Yes. And they've got little sort of meat, onion and potatoes of parcels. Mm-hmm. And as uh, you will know, we're vegetarian, but we do make exceptions for these kind of situations because these are people who have given so much mm-hmm. and life is, is short. And to be like, oh, well, we're not going to eat your food. To me, like, what difference does a one-off make? But I think it's just important it's doesn't become the rule. Yeah, so I, I had an enjoyable time sitting down at the sort of outdoor kitchen area, making manti, playing with the small grandchildren of the family. Um, How many grandchildren did they have? There were two small twins, a little girl, and a little boy. They said Five, 16. Six, in total, they said, no, in total, they had 18 grandchildren. 18. 18 grandchildren. I think about six or seven of them were there mm. at the time. And... Also, I was shown around the gardens, shown the vegetable plot, played mm. with puppies and chicks, and it was just a, a wonderful afternoon. Yeah, and I want to give a, a special shout out to Jimaj, who's one of the grandchildren, and after we arrived and we'd had tea, I said I wanted to go for a little run, and he was like, oh, can I come too? And I was mm. like, okay, sure. Not really thinking he would, yeah. but before I was ready, he had his running shoes on. Yeah. He was in his green shorts, yellow top. It looked like he was, you know, playing football for Brazil. Um, but he was not like a super athletic, sporty kid, at least by build. Credit to him, because he set off at some pace and I was yes. like struggling to sort of keep with him. And I just think that I such a huge amount of respect for someone or anyone who just decides they're going to go up and... Throw it, themselves into something. Well, exactly, exactly. And it, it doesn't have to be running at all, but I just thought that was really awesome and then the next morning Jamaj joined on Chris to the main road as well and that yeah. that was really special for me those are some of the moments that do make this ride really worthwhile mm-hmm. that was a wonderful evening a really really wonderful evening one that I'll remember for a long time do you think you will kind of take something away from that in terms of how you travel in future or not even travel maybe it's also like you know live your life the idea of having plans that you think are kind of sacred and then something else comes up and you might go, ah. Oh. I think, yes, the important thing is flexibility. 
and being prepared to change your plans. Not necessarily should something better appear, but should an opportunity that's not always going to present itself to you yeah. appear. Yeah, I think that's right. I also recognise that we're in a pretty unique situation that we have a lot of flexibility mm-hmm. and we have a lot of things that are very obviously opportunities. Yes. Right. And I think in, in the day to day regular life, having that level of flexibility is uh, unusual Definitely. for sure. And then also it's kind of quite difficult to work out, oh, well, do I want to go out with my friends this evening or actually is watching this film I've been wanting to watch for a long time, is that the opportunity? Or Mm. catching up with a friend who's abroad or baking a cake, you know, or helping out at a soup kitchen and suddenly meeting uh, a bunch of people you'd never otherwise meet. So Mm. I'd be really interested to hear from you guys listening to this as to whether you've ever had occasions where you've had plans and things have ended up going differently and what you've learned from it as a result. Yeah, we would really love to hear that. So do send us a message on on Instagram or an email. So now we're looking ahead. Mm -hmm. How much longer do you think you're going to be staying on the road, Kate? Well, you're heading off cycling next week sometime to Kirkstone. Indeed, to Bishkek. I am... Not going to be on the back of the bike with you then. You're going to be joined instead by some people that we've met here. An organisation called Sport Without Borders. Exactly. Sport Bies Granitsi. And we'll be able to tell you more about them in next week's podcast. Some great guys that we met yesterday. So for me, no more cycling for now. Yeah, so some well-earned rest and uh, Kate absolutely loves swimming and I think that's probably what you're going to be doing a lot more of over the next few days if we can find some mountain lakes or something. Yes, absolutely. So we've got a bit of time to enjoy Almaty before Luke heads back on the road. Exactly. So next week we'll kind of give you some thoughts on Almaty, tell you more about Sport Without Borders, a very cool organisation working with adults with disabilities here in in Kazakhstan and we'll see what else happens absolutely tune in then to hear all right to everyone listening have a wonderful week and that was this week's episode I really hope that you enjoyed it and thanks so much for listening we put a lot of time into the podcast so please do support us by subscribing reviewing and rating and please send in your questions that you have about any aspect of life on the road to Bristol to Beijing on social media until next week goodbye